Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. We're coming to the conclusion of this series of messages on the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is, in these scriptures, he is concluding the sermon. And in a conclusion or a summary, he basically is rewrapping what he said throughout the entire sermon, these three chapters of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and giving some illustrations. And he also makes some pretty scary and shocking statements uh, here at the end. Jesus uh, is telling us that all of humanity is uh, basically travelers. We're not static. We're not stationary. We are on a path, and we're moving to a very certain uh, destination. And he describes it this way, that there are two gates, and those gates lead to two different roads that have a very clear end or destination. There is a wide way. It's, uh, it's, it's traveled by those who, uh, and the path as it ends in destruction, but it can be traveled by any number of people, groups of people and religious people who are the type of people who seek to justify themselves through their own uh, good deeds. Maybe uh, living by the, the, the uh, golden rule, uh, being nice to your neighbor. But then he says there's a narrow gate people, and they're on a path that leads to a certain destination as well, and they rely solely on God's grace for their justification, not on their deeds or good works, but surely and totally on the uh, grace of God. Thomas was one of those disciples that asked Jesus this question, how can we know the way? In other words, how do we know what the path is? How do we know whether we're on the path? And Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Now, that's a very provocative statement, especially in the culture in which uh, we live, because Jesus is saying, really, there's only one way, and I'm the way. Well, he was either uh, deluded or a charlatan, or he's right. So there's only one way to salvation, and it seems to be a fairly narrow, well, it is a very narrow kind of statement when Jesus says that. It has, it, it has negative connotations. Whenever you say to someone, hey, there's only one way to God, well, that has a fairly negative connotation to it. It, it seems like you're intolerant or you're uh, bigoted or you're arrogant or you're uh, proud. Somehow you have found the only way and you're the guy who's found it and everyone else has to come through that particular way. But the other path, the wide gate people actually... Uh, on the outside, has some pretty positive connotations to it. The easy or broad way seems to denote, hey, you know, there's room for all. Uh, all of your beliefs can fit into this path. It, and 
Well, if it's good for you, if it works for you, I'm happy, man. You found your own way. That's great. It doesn't work for me, but here's my way. And it actually leads to kind of a, a, a designer kind of faith or religion by which you are basing your life on a particular philosophy or way you believe uh, to live. But it has that all roads lead to God kind of connotation about it, which is pretty positive with a lot of people. Many religions, and even the non-religious people, like agnostics or, or, or atheists, uh, have embraced this. It's, it's like, but it's, an atheist or agnostic say, I'm not a religious person. So, but the fact is, you really are. Because everything in life is a spiritual path that's based upon faith. A non-religious person or an agnostic or an atheist is betting his future, his destination, on faith that there is no God. And when, it, when it's over, when you die and you breathe your last breath, that's, that's it. But it's a faith move because he also doesn't have any empirical proof that what he believes is really true. In fact, it takes an awful lot of faith to not believe in a God whenever you look around at the magnificent creation and the intricacies of creation and certainly seems to point to a designer. That takes a lot of faith. But the assumption is, with that kind of broad-mindedness, is that uh, as long as you find your own way and you're true to yourself and you live a good life, do the best you can, you're going to be okay. But Jesus breaks in at this point, and it's a very provocative statement. He's very clear. Jesus Jesus says there's only two roads, and they lead in opposite directions, and the destination for one is destruction, and the destination for the other is life. Now, okay, I get that. Uh, That's where they lead. But help me, please, to understand uh, what it is. Well, you have to, in order to understand what it is, you have to understand the context of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, The Sermon on the Mount, verse 13 of chapter 7, begins Jesus' summary or conclusion, where he says there's two ways, wide a gate and a, a, a narrow gate. He says there are... In this conclusion, there are two trees, one good, one rotten, two houses, one built on a rock and the other built on the sand. He's summarizing, summarizing his entire sermon with these two ways. Uh, He says, one group of people are judgmental. Don't be like that. They, They try to take the speck out of your eye when they have a plank Uh, in their own eye. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites because they they pray publicly, uh, fluently to be heard by others and for people to applaud and honor them. Well, aren't they great? Look how they pray. He says, no, when you pray, uh, go into your uh, private room and close the door and the God who hears in secret will reward you. He says, don't be like those when they pray, that they offer empty phrases, and they think they're going to be heard for the many words. He says, when you pray, pray our Father. It's about a relationship. When you fast, he said, don't be like the hypocrites. 
When they fast, they look miserable. People ask them, what's wrong? Well, I'm fasting. He says, no, no. He says, clean up. Put on some good clothes. Fix yourself up. Don't, don't appear outwardly in order to gain leverage or the approval or accolades of other people. Don't lay up treasures on earth. He says, instead, lay up treasures in heaven. So on and on and on. Throughout this, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is describing these two ways. Now, he's summarizing it. The wide gate, easy way people, everything they do is that so somehow God will bless them. You know, I do a good deed, I get a return on that. They believe if they do good things, that God owes them. Somehow they're gaining uh, leverage with God. And therefore, they're kind of blown out of the water when something bad happens. It's like, it's not fair. What did I do to deserve this? Why me? Or I've done my best and I've tried to be generous and I've done good things. And why did God allow this to happen? If there is a God, why does he allow this injustice to happen to me? Yeah, it is a question that plagues people. It's interesting. I looked up on Amazon. There are 14 books in Amazon titled, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? The assumption is, I do good things. Good things are going to happen. I live in a certain way, be a good person, gain favor with people, honor with people, and also with God. So religions would say, be good, be true to yourself, obey the rules, and you'll be saved. And what I thought it was at one point in my life was about doing good things. I, I remember being in church, actually, and uh, what I understood about what it was to be a Christian was uh, basically don't smoke or chew or go with girls that do. It's just like, it was like there were a big list of prohibitions of what you shouldn't do, but also a list of things that you should do. And that's what it meant to be a Christian. So it was like uh, doing certain things and then God will bless you. Other religions will say a similar thing. It's like first the road, then the gate. In other words, you do well, you live life well, and then St. Peter's going to open up the pearly gates for you. That's what a lot of people actually would adhere to or believe. But Jesus says it's not that way. It can't be that way. He says, first it's the gate, and I'm the gate, and then the road. Now, Jesus is saying that. He says, he says he's, he's, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He's the one. He's beat the consequences of death. He has borne our sin. He's won the day. He's opened the gate for us. He's done it all for us and on our behalf. You see, Jesus in this kind of narrow statement actually is, is telling us, hey, this is what leads to life. It leads to freedom. It leads to abundant life. If you believe that he's the only way and that you didn't deserve it, but that he saved you and poured out his grace upon you and gave you his favor. And when you deserve justice, he gave you mercy. If you believe that, 
You know, and you believe someone else has already fought the battle for you. He's already paid your sin for you. I'm, I receive his righteousness. Well, I can enter in, enter through the gate first. I've already been accepted. I don't have to earn my way. I've already been approved of. I don't have to do things to gain God's approval. I'm already approved. Uh, I don't do these things in order to be accepted or approved of. It's so easy to fall into this trap of believing that you are, are winning the gate by your life. I'll give you an example of that. The rich young ruler, really a good guy, in Matthew 19. I mean, he appeared to be such a great guy. He says, he comes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Now, look, look at those words. What must I do? What good thing must I do? That's an age-old statement that basically is pretty relevant even today. And what about the Ten Commandments? And the rich young ruler said, well, I've done that. I, I, all these I have kept. He's a better man than me, I think. <laughs> all these I have kept. And then Jesus said, all right. He says, liquidate all your assets, sell everything and give it away to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And the Bible says that he went away sad because he had a great deal of wealth. Now, that seems like an unreasonable request, but actually it was very gracious because Jesus is helping this man see and identify that his faith really wasn't in Jesus. His faith was in his wealth. That's where his faith was. That was his spiritual path. And even the doing of good things with his wealth, that he might somehow garner the approval of man and of God, is a path of destruction. So it's, 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 it's a sad situation when we understand that people can look the same and yet be on a different path. Both types of people out there trying to do good things. Those who put totally their trust in Jesus, but also those who are somehow trusting in their good deeds. And they can look exactly the same, but they're going in a different direction. Now, I'm saved I know this by grace alone. It's not through any good thing that I've done. It's not that I've deserved it. Someone else has won it for me. I know that's Jesus. Therefore, when someone does us wrong or bad things seem to happen to us, rather than fall apart or get critical or judgmental, someone is unjust toward me because I know I've received grace that I didn't deserve that liberates me and gives me the freedom to give back to that person grace. Because I've received mercy, I can give mercy. Because I've received forgiveness, I can give forgiveness. In other words, the way through Jesus is a way of freedom. The gate's narrow because it's only Jesus. But once I'm through that, it's wide open. There's freedom there. There's abundant life there. There's peace and there's joy. I don't have to try to gain acceptance or approval. I don't have to harbor bitterness in my heart. I can liberate you. It, it's amazing. You see, the, 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 
the wide gate and easy way actually leads to the opposite because it, it leads to a bondage. It leads to, you, you, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. It leads to being critical. It, it leads to an insecurity. Uh, I mean, that's the way the Pharisees were. They were judgmental and critical and looked down on others that they felt weren't as righteous as they were. All right, here's the question. If two groups of people on the path can look pretty much the same. I mean, the rich young Mueller pretty much looked like a Christian, didn't he? He looked like a, a good, godly guy. Uh, kept the Ten Commandments and, and was generous with the poor. But he wasn't. He was on a path of destruction. So it's a frightening proposition. It's pretty scary. You know, it leads all of us to ask this question, how can I be sure that I'm on the right path? Because Jesus makes this statement. It's one of the scariest statements in all of the Bible. It's a hard saying. Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. And on that day, that is judgment day, when we stand before God, on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Whoa. That's a powerful and difficult statement to make. But there's a couple of hints in there that helps us with this. One is, Jesus said, I never knew you. So what Jesus is talking about is a relationship. They said, did not we do many good things? Their dependency was upon living a good life, jumping through the hoops, obeying all the rules, doing all the good stuff. Basically, their trust was in their own works rather than their trust in Jesus. They didn't have a relationship. He never knew them. They did not come through that narrow gate, which Jesus is the only way, with a dependence entirely on him. And then, and then Jesus illustrates it. He goes on to say, hey, there are two houses. One is built on a rock and the other on the sand. And he talks about the storms coming. And the house built on the sand is destroyed. The one that was built on the rock stood. See, Jesus is the rock. He's, so it's what is frightening about this is two houses, they look the same. The difference was their foundation was totally different. What they put their confidence in was totally different. And the life that's built upon Jesus can stand the storms of life without bitterness, without anger, without uh, somehow saying it's not fair, it's unjust, I've tried to do the right thing. But the house that's built upon the sand will fall. It gives in to, I can't believe this. Why did God treat me this way? It, it gives in to destruction. You see, here's the thing about Christianity. 
Christianity can either be a religion or it can be a relationship. A religion or relationship. See, if, if it's a religion, it's like, I obey the rules, I do good things, I go to church, I read the Bible, I'm generous, that sort of thing. I do good things, and God owes me for what I did. Those are the people who say, Lord, Lord, did not we do many mighty works in your name? That's frightening that Christianity can be a religion or Christianity is a relationship by which it's a total trust on the finished work of Jesus on your behalf. Undeserved. Trusting solely in his saving work. Trusting solely in his grace and undeserved favor. You see, that's what the Sermon on the Mount says. And that's why a follower of Jesus enjoys freedom in this life. He enjoys abundant life. He can enjoy mercy and grace and give mercy and grace, not condemning, because all of those in Christ are without condemnation. So I don't need to condemn others. He can enjoy forgiveness because he forgives. You see, it doesn't matter to the one who's put his trust in a relationship with Jesus. It doesn't matter what other people do to you. And in many ways, the big issue is not even if they approve of you. You've already been approved of God. Jesus has paid it all. He's justified us. He's given us his righteousness. One day when I stand before God, I will not plead my own case. I will not say, hey, I've served you all these years. I've done all these things. I've done many good deeds. It will be solely on I'm here only because of the righteousness of Christ that's been imparted to me. My life is hidden in Jesus. Because, you see, we don't earn salvation. And because we don't earn it, we don't look down on others who are not doing as well as we are. We don't judge or criticize others. We're free. No bitterness, no vengefulness. It's interesting parable that Jesus says in Luke 18, beginning with verse 9. I want to read it for you. He also told this parable to some who had trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Well, that's a powerful statement. And, they, and therefore, they treated others with contempt. Because that's where the, the wide gate leads us, you see. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners and unjust and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But this tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven. He beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, but the one who humbles himself 
will be exalted. So we've come via the narrow gate, which is Jesus, the only way. And he's opened the gate. He's the only way. We're not a people, therefore, who are judgmental or arrogant. We're humbled because of the amazing grace that shed upon us so undeservedly. Now, here's the, here's the question for us. Where are you in this? There can be two groups of people that say, Lord, Lord, and can look the same, like those two houses, and can do good works. But are you critical and judgmental, or do you have bitterness in your heart? Do you somehow believe that you've been treated unfairly or unjustly, you deserve better? Be careful. Because once you put your trust totally in a relationship with Jesus, everything is hidden in Him. It's easy to forgive. It's easy to extend mercy to others who don't deserve it. It's, it becomes easy not to allow bitterness to grow in your heart. It becomes easy to say, well, I don't deserve what I've been given already. I'm already accepted and loved. For years, I would say to people sometimes, I feel like I'm just a nickel in God's pocket and he can spend me however he wants. So I, whatever happens, I trust in the goodness, magnificence of our Father God as a result of my entry to him through the righteousness that is only in Jesus. If you've struggled with these scriptures in the past, hopefully this adds a little clarity as well as soberness. Where's your faith? Where's your heart? What gate have you entered by? What path are you on? Because that path leads to life everlasting.